Happy Thanksgiving! Welcome into the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farz Visugi and hope you are all having a great holiday weekend. Uh, hope you're all having a great Thanksgiving for everyone in the U.S. celebrating. Uh, big happy Thanksgiving once again to all of you. Appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. It's been a crazy week. We're trying to transition from that insane Monday night football game we had. We'll, we'll touch a little bit on... Uh, on that as there was a comment that I have been that I've made and I responded to a lot of critics on social media about this but I'll I'll address that real quickly but we'll uh, recap that game a little bit and just kind of conclude that chapter of the season because I know everyone wants to move on from that uh, and there's a there are a couple of things I do want to get into on this episode so uh, we'll uh, get into that in just a moment also Marty McDonald uh, the founder of Save Our Chiefs plus Morgan Gannon will be joining us here on the podcast later on and of course we'll do our closing segments brutal brutal injury for former Chiefs quarterback Alex Smith I'll touch on that later on as well if you guys haven't already subscribed to the podcast on iTunes Apple Podcasts Google Play and Spotify easy to do just hit the subscribe button and share the podcast as well while you are at it if you haven't done so already plus you guys can interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash farzinvasugan. That's the Facebook page. Give it a like. Follow me on Facebook. Also follow me on Twitter at farzine 21 Plus, feel free to email me, farzine at farzinvasugian.com. That is how you can get in touch with me. A lot to get into. And I, I do want to start off the, uh, the podcast. You, you just kind of because I did make a comment during the game. About how yeah, I, I saw a lot of the uh, responses on Twitter and, and people were criticizing the referees for this one. And l- listen, I, I'm just going to say this. Anyone who's followed me on social media or has listened to me for a long time, I have never been the guy to go crazy about officiating. I, I've come on here and, and criticized officials before, but I've never put that as a sole reason why a team loses. I remember when the Chiefs blew that 18-point lead last year against Tennessee, and I kept saying, Jeff Triplett's not the reason the Chiefs lost. Uh, I took a lot of heat for that. Similar to Monday night when, and, and uh, still getting some heat from that, uh, which is fine. I mean, it, it, it's it's all good and fun. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's social media. It's whatever. But a lot of people are... I, I don't know what the right term is. I, I, the, the the whole Tennessee game, I got heat for that. If, guys, the Chiefs blew an 18-point lead. Bad officiating can, can, can make an impact, but not to the point where you blow an 18-point lead and miss a field goal on your own. All the things the Chiefs did in that game. Everyone knows what happened there. In this game, yeah, there were some bad calls and some missed calls on, on, on the Rams, but... Keep in mind, there are also some missed calls on the uh, on the Chiefs as well. If you remember the uh, game last year between the Chiefs and Raiders, where the Raiders got a bunch of chances in the red zone inside the five, essentially uh, the penalty extended the the, the game. Uh, it will actually push the Raiders back ten yards. Then two penalties on the Chiefs as time expired extended the game, <laughs> which was crazy. And a lot of Chiefs fans were upset, saying that the Raiders gifted or the referees gifted one for the Raiders. I'm thinking the Chiefs got away with a lot of defensive penalties in that game early on. But, of course, fans don't want to address that. My response to a lot of Chiefs fans this week has been the Chiefs, believe it or not, I I know fans can't believe this, but if you go back and look at every single touchdown the Chiefs have had this year, 
the Chiefs have gotten away with a couple of penalties on their touchdown scores. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly when those happened, but I have pointed them out as they've happened to remind fans, hey, look, there's no referees or NFL versus the Chiefs. There just isn't. I think fans get way too caught up in that. By the way, I don't understand people thinking that the NFL wants the Patriots to win. I've never understood this criticism of the NFL because last I checked, the NFL tried really hard to beat up the Patriots over that whole deflate gate situation. They suspended Brady four games when there was no clear evidence that he was behind that. Uh, they also find the Patriots a million dollars and find them a draft pick too, if I remember correctly. The NFL went pretty hard after the Patriots. And I, I, I just don't get the idea that the NFL loves the Patriots and they want them to win. I, I just don't get that and I can't get behind that statement. So with that said, uh, I, I, I still stand by what I said earlier. Uh, and look, even with all the bad officiating that took place and the winking to Jared Goff, by the way, there was a game, uh, one of the games where the Chiefs won, Andy Reid uh, slapped the tush of a referee right before the uh, final QB kneel from Patrick Mahomes. So are we going to sit here and speculate on that? I mean, Sean McVay sh- shook hands with a referee before the game and that screenshot went viral. I mean, people just go crazy for the smallest things, man. Uh, look, I gave you the Andy Reid example, okay? I mean, you can shake hands with referees. In fact, this actually encourages part of sportsmanship that you do that. But I won't get into that too much. My point is, even with all the bad officiating that took place uh, that that didn't really benefit Kansas City much in this game, the Chiefs still had the lead at one point in this game. And the Rams went on a six-play drive, 75 yards, with no timeouts, and they got the game-winning touchdown and the Chiefs had two opportunities inside two minutes once with three timeouts and the second time they actually got to keep one of their timeouts because the Rams were trying to be too aggressive and even then uh, and look I know with less than a minute it is asking a lot to try to get something going but the Chiefs game plan uh, throwing it in the middle uh, for little to no gain uh, in that situation it just wasn't getting the job done uh but but the Chiefs had two possessions inside two minutes when they probably shouldn't even have had two possessions. Only should have been just one. Uh, but they did anyway, and they still couldn't. They threw an inter, inter, Mahomes threw a pick both times. Uh, so this is on Kansas City. Yeah, there were some bad calls there from the officials and some missed calls. By the way, for both teams, there were missed calls. Uh, so... I just wanted to clear that up because I, I, I've been taking heat for that. And again, it's all fine. I, it's all good and fun. Uh, I enjoy the interaction with you guys, uh, whether you guys agree or not. I've said that many times, but um, I, I think there are a lot of things you can look at from Kansas City side and say, look, uh, the Chiefs did a lot of things wrong in this game on their own. 54 points allowed. Uh, it, it's pretty hard to to allow 50 and win. I mean, sure, the Rams did that. They allowed 50 and one, but... Uh, it's always too close for comfort. It, it always is. But um, from the Chiefs' side, and by the way, I do want to clarify. I did mention fifty-four points allowed. Uh, it was fourteen of them were from the Chiefs' offense on defensive touchdowns. Uh, gotta also consider the fact it was the defense that allowed forty. Still a lot, but that would have been more than enough to win this football game, of course. Shifting gears now, uh, obviously the Chiefs have a bye week, so they won't have a game this week, but uh, 
I do want to touch on Patrick Mahomes for a moment. And I want to pose the question. I did this on social media. We've yet to discuss this on the podcast, though. Is Patrick Mahomes already the best quarterback in Chiefs history? And I know that's a very unfair question for for me to ask because it's so easy to be a prisoner of the moment. I remember when Dwayne Bell was uh, on the team, I had a poll question on the podcast years ago saying, who's the better 82, Dwayne Bell or Dante Hall? And a lot of you guys said Dwayne Bell. Well, it's been a few years since Bell has been on the team, so I actually recently posed that question and I asked, who is the better 82 is it Bo or Hall and a lot of people reverted back and said Hall now I'm sure we've picked up a lot of new listeners over the years and some have maybe stopped listening uh so and by the way in the comments I got are you kidding me with this question well look I I, I replied to a lot of those uh critics and said I asked this question years ago and a lot of people said Dwayne Bo while he was playing so to ask right now is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in Chiefs history a lot of you guys on Facebook said it's too early to say. And uh, I, I posted the question on Twitter as a poll. And I uh, the options were, uh, where would you rank him in franchise history uh, among quarterbacks? First, second, top five, or top ten? Now, small sample size, but nearly 300 people uh, voted on this. 1% said top ten. 26% said top five. Now, the top two vote-getters were 27% said he's the second-best QB of all time. 46%, nearly half of you who voted, said that Mahomes is the best quarterback in franchise history already. Now, he's he's played what? 11 games this year. 12, if you include the uh, Week 17 game. So, 12 games in his career he's played with Kansas City. And he's already being voted as the best player to ever snap a football for the Chiefs. Well, technically it's the center, but to 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 receive the the snap from the center, I, I should say correct correct there. But let me just say this: I don't think it's egregious. I, I think it's early to say that he is the best quarterback of all time. If he wins the Super Bowl this year, I think you go ahead and and just put him on. But I also think it's not egregious to say he's number one. Because the reason I ask this question, he's already surpassed Len Dawson for most touchdowns in a single season. Dawson had the record in 1964 with 30. And there was another season, I can't remember off the top of my head what year it was. He had, it was 29 touchdowns. Mahomes has already surpassed that as he stands right now 37 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. And by the way, the uh, the uh, 37 uh, touchdowns, that obviously leads the league by a wide margin. Uh, Andrew Luck has 29 touchdowns. That's the second most. And Jared Goff, he's got 26. Drew Brees has 25. Only one pick for Drew Brees, by the way. And by the, another thing about Drew Brees, he's not throwing the ball a whole lot this year. 334 pass attempts, which is why some people have him slightly ahead of Mahomes in the MVP race. But I don't, I don't want to talk about the MVP race right now. For Mahomes, 37 touchdown passes. And you look at passing yards, he leads the league in passing yards, 3,628 yards, uh, just barely leading uh, against Jared Goff, who's uh, about 70 to 80 yards behind Mahomes in that category. 
So here's the thing. Because I do think there are valid reasons to ask whether or not Mahomes is the best quarterback of all time in franchise history. He's got 37 touchdown passes. And obviously already shattering that record. Whatever total he finishes with, that's going to be the new single season high. And gosh, I mean, at this point, obviously it's hard to tell 20, 30, 40, 50 years who will be playing quarterback for the Chiefs. But for the time being, I mean, you probably think only Mahomes could break his own record. And by the way, he did it. He's done it in fewer games. Uh, Not a lot of pass-heavy quarterbacks in franchise history to at least challenge Dawson for that record. But uh, you would think that maybe Mahomes, uh, even down the road years from now, uh, challenges his 2018 record of whatever total touchdowns he'll have, which is expected to be close to Peyton Manning's record for total touchdowns in a single game, or a single season, excuse me. But as far as passing yards go, I mentioned he has 3,628 yards. That's already ninth best in uh, franchise history for a single season. You look at ahead of him, Trent Green is 8th, 7th, 6th, and 5th, and 1st for passing yards. Uh, he, he's first from his 2004 season of 4,591 yards. Uh, Bill Kenny from 1983, uh, 4,348 yards. Gerback in 2000 threw for 4,169 yards. And Alex Smith, uh, a little bit above 4,000 yards. Uh, so he's got the fourth most in Chiefs history. And then again, Trent Green uh, has the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth spots. Uh, pretty much every year he was a Chiefs quarterback with the exception of 2006 when he uh, had that concussion that he went down with and Damon Heward filled in. But nonetheless, Mahomes right now is ninth on the list. And by the time the Chiefs and Raiders play, uh, he'll probably go up to seventh on the list, passing Trent Green from 2002 and 2001. And then after that, Likely he leapfrogs Trent Green from 2005 and 2003, which he holds the 5th and 6th spots, and probably even get ahead of Alex Smith. And maybe even come close to becoming 3rd. So Mahomes right now is is standing in ninth place. And could easily become 3rd, maybe 4th. It'll be pretty close by the time the Chiefs uh, play their next two games. So here's the thing. Sure, a lot of people are bringing up the fact that he cannot be considered the best until he wins a Super Bowl. Okay, that's that's fair. I, I To me, though, I think he's the second best right now. I'm already putting him that far ahead. Ahead of Trent Green, ahead of Joe Montana, ahead of Alex Smith. Guys who've, who've done a lot for the Chiefs. Joe Montana took the Chiefs to an AFC title game. That's the... Closest the Chiefs have been to a Super Bowl since the merger. Uh, Let's see, for Trent Green, he has a lot of passing records uh, in in the book for Kansas City. Alex Smith, uh, probably the best quarterback uh, the Chiefs have had since Trent Green, with the exception of Matt Castle for one year. And now here's Mahomes already doing things uh, that Trent Green have not been able to do. Patrick Mahomes has not been able to do. So I've I've got Mahomes right now number two, and I don't think he's that far away from from Len Dawson. I don't think so. 
Now, here's the other thing. If Mahomes puts up all these ridiculous numbers but never wins a Super Bowl, hopefully not the case. Hopefully not. But we have to at least discuss that for a moment uh, because there are a lot of great quarterbacks out there who are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame but don't have a ring. Uh, it is unfair to uh, not let a guy get it, get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame or say he shouldn't get in or not be considered the best at his position. Because let's say Tony Gonzalez, for example. Is he not the best tight end in NFL history or franchise history at the very least? Because he's obviously got so many tight end records, which are going to be broken by Antonio Gates and, uh, and maybe even Gronk if he stays healthy. But the point is with Gonzalez is, are you going to sit here and say he's not the best tight end in NFL history because he didn't even win a playoff game? Let alone, I mean, doesn't have a ring, let alone a playoff win as a Chief. That'd be ridiculous to say. So I'm not going to say... I think Mahomes, without a ring, can still get ahead of Len Dawson. Now, here's the other thing too. These kinds of discussions are hard to have because Len Dawson played in a completely different era of football compared to Patrick Mahomes. He Mahomes is part of a, a pass-heavy era. Now, with that said, Mahomes is still breaking all of these franchise records uh, before 14, 13 games, which is how many games NFL teams played many years ago. So even then, Mahomes, you've got to consider that you, you, with all the things he's doing. I remember LaDainian Tomlinson, I think he surpassed Priest Holmes' touchdown record as well as a few other touchdown records, and he did it before week 16, week 17. And that was pointed out because you can now compare whatever records he broke at the time to players from the past and say, hey, look, sure, those players had fewer games to to play, but LaDainian Tomlinson still put up a lot before in the same amount of window frame for those guys so here's my thing on Mahomes he's your second best quarterback in franchise history already 12 games in his career played for the Chiefs I'm putting him number two no matter what happens from here on out now if he continues to put up these eye glowing stats in the next two to three years even without a ring I'll confidently say he's number one ahead of Len Dawson I just think It'd be ridiculous to say that a guy putting up all of these numbers, already breaking a lot of different NFL records for most touchdowns in the first two, three weeks, um, the, the the amount of numbers he's putting up, obviously a league leader in passing yards and passing touchdowns, and the touchdown stat by a wide margin. The guy's got to be considered for whether or not he's already the best quarterback of all time. He's got the touchdown record already. So I don't think it's absurd to have this conversation this early in his career because he's doing things that Alex Smith, Trent Green, and Joe Montana were not able to do. Obviously many more, everyone essentially. So I think that's one thing you've got to consider when we have this this discussion with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously very early to discuss those kinds of things, but I'm sure it'll be brought back many times as his career goes along. By the way, before I forget, I forgot to mention at the beginning of the podcast, Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. He was on the podcast earlier this year. We're going to bring him back on. He just published a book, uh, released it on Patrick Mahomes. It's called Showtime, 
Very cool uh, to, to, to see. It's his first time he's ever published a book. He's going to be joining me on the podcast this weekend. It should be up Monday morning. We will talk about that book with Matt Derrick. So stay tuned for that. Matt Derrick will be joining us on Monday. The book is available, uh, according to his uh, tweet, it's available anywhere uh, where you can purchase a book. So uh, online, at a bookstore, uh, available for uh, purchase. Again, the book is called Showtime. I'm going to be uh, picking it up very soon. And uh, I can already tell, like, a lot of kids are going to want that book. Uh, and I know in school, you, you you have to provide some sort of a book report once a week or once a month, however schools do it nowadays, of a, of a book you're reading on your own. Not a book that you read with the rest of your class, but on your own. I guarantee you a lot of kids are going to be writing about that book. So I'm sure a lot of teachers are going to get a lot of uh, reviews from their students about this book. Because everyone's on this Patrick Mahomes train. Uh, now we've got books about him already coming out. So very cool. Definitely going to uh, talk to Matt Derrick. Very excited to have him on later to discuss that. Again, the, that episode will be out on Monday. Final thing I want to discuss before we bring in Marty McDonald and Morgan Ganim to the podcast. It's about Eric Berry. As Jason Lockenfora reported that Eric Berry is expected to start practicing after the bye week. Let me just say this. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it at this point with Eric Berry. The other thing that I will say about Eric Berry right now, and you could say this about a lot of players, he's obviously missed a lot of time. A lot of people are saying, well, hopefully he'll just come back for the playoffs. Uh, I, I don't know how much I like that thought. And here's why. If Eric Berry returns for the first playoff game, he will have missed 32 games since then. That includes a playoff game against Tennessee. So from week two of last season, all the way through the uh, wild card game against the Titans and all of this season, Barry will have missed 32 games. That is two full regular seasons right there. And here's why I bring that up. When a guy's missed that much time, I don't know if his first game back being a playoff game would be a good one right now. Now, a lot of people would say a rusty Eric Berry, if you believe in that kind of stuff, uh, a rusty Eric Berry is still better than what the Chiefs have right now. Is it really, though? Because here's my thing with that. And I think Kansas City's a great example of this. When you see players miss a lot of time, and in their first game back, they're not in their true form. We saw, we saw Trent Green come back from a concussion. He didn't miss a lot of time, but that definitely changed him as a quarterback. He was not the same Trent Green that we knew. Uh, I think better examples, uh, Larry Johnson's injury. Didn't see the same LJ again. Uh, Jamal Charles, a couple of times he had a torn ACL. The first time he did come back strong, but not right away. Not right away. The second time, uh, it just wasn't the same Jamal, unfortunately, since then. Another great example would be Justin Houston. Justin Houston, he's recently missed a lot of games, and when he has come back from injuries, uh, we, we've just seen him gradually and slowly become the Justin, the Pro Bowl Justin Houston. Eric Berry is also another great example. Ironically, the player that, that we are actually talking about right now, Eric Berry suffered a torn ACL in 2011, and when he came back in 2012, wasn't really as dominant. Now, he did go to the Pro Bowl that year. Keep in mind, the Pro Bowl is a fan vote, and... I think Eric Berry went to the Pro Bowl based on name recognition right there. By the way, I know Pro Bowl 
in all-star voting. I mean, they mean something, but a lot of times it is blindly voted. And I don't mean that as a dig at Eric Berry. I still think he's a great safety uh, when healthy. But Eric Berry was not a Pro Bowl safety in 2012. I just don't think so. Here's a great example. Kobe Bryant once played five games in a season, and he was voted into the NBA All-Star game. Why? Name recognition. That's all. Uh, So for Eric Berry, uh, he came back in 2012, didn't do as well. And then in 2015, uh, gradually got back to bringing in his Pro Bowl form. Took him a while, but eventually he started to get going and eventually won the Comeback Player of the Year that year. Uh, And now, of course, suffering a a third uh, setback. Uh, I don't know with Eric Berry. And by the way, with 2015, I understand he was coming back from cancer. But again, it's still trying to overcome all the missed games that he had and trying to be in his Pro Bowl form again. My point is, with that much time off, and this time around, Eric Berry's missed a lot more time than he's ever missed in his NFL career. Is Eric Berry going to be the Eric Berry that we all know and love right away? I don't think so. In fact, I think it'd be great if he played the Raiders game. I expect him to be torched. Maybe struggle a little bit, and that's perfectly fine. I think you let him struggle in these uh, couple games in December, but by the time week 16, week 17 rolls around, I think he'll be in his true elite form as a top safety. And then once it's time for the playoffs, hopefully after the uh, wild card round, assuming the Chiefs get a bye, Eric Berry's going to be ready in his Pro Bowl form, playing in. Uh, in his first playoff game in, in probably, gosh, uh, 2013, I want to say, maybe 2015. Yeah, he did play in 2015, now that I think about it. Uh, didn't play last year, though, unfortunately. Uh, I almost got 2015 and 2014 mixed up. Uh, I was going to say his first playoff game since 2013 or 2010, but no, he did play in 2015, of course. Uh, but still missed out on a big opportunity last year. And uh, you you just wonder how much of a difference could he make with the defense. Uh, Sure, it's just one player, but once he gets back into his all-pro form, hopefully you can see a bit of improvement with this defense. You'll take a little bit over nothing right now with this defense. And the Chiefs could use that because it maybe could have made a difference in uh, the two losses they've had this year. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzee and Twitter.com slash Farzee 21. We've already discussed on social media, but never too late to get in on the discussion. So let me know your thoughts on social media or email me Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Joining us right now on the Chief Zone podcast, a good friend of the podcast. Uh, I've known this guy for uh, for several years Uh a lot of interaction on social media. We've had him on the podcast before. I had him uh, during the offseason. Uh, also did a big exclusive with him on Bleacher Report during the 2012 season. He is the founder of Save Our Chiefs. Now runs the Chiefs Kingdom Facebook page on Facebook and Twitter. He is Marty McDonald. Uh, gracious to give us a few minutes of his time on a crazy busy week for everybody on Thanksgiving week. Marty, welcome in. What's going on, man? How are you, sir? Long time no chat. Just kidding. I know we traded tweets here recently, but uh, happy to be back on the show and happy to uh, talk a little Chiefs football. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I, I want to get into. I mean, where where were you on the legendary night of the highest scoring Monday Night Football game ever? Where were you? So this is honest to God, true story. I was on a baseball field 
coaching my son's club ball team. We've got a big tournament here right after Thanksgiving, and so we had practice set up on Mondays and Wednesdays, and this was booked in advance of all the hype behind this game. And so I had parents keeping me updated. One of them was a Raider fan, and he was rubbing in all the penalties and saying, oh, it's not looking good, it's not looking good. And then I kind of broke my cardinal rule of coaching. I pulled out my phone during a, a, a quick down moment in practice and and uh, and saw some of the game. But I didn't really get to get in front of my big screen TV until midway through the third quarter. And then from then on, it was just pandemonium. Yeah, I mean, you saw the good stuff. We saw the good stuff. It was a crazy game. You know, we, again, you know, two losses on the road to two great teams. We leave points on the board, um, which we can't do come playoffs. So that's the big takeaway. But, you know, we've got two road losses by a combined six points. Pat Mahomes, I think, has thrown for uh, ten touchdowns in, in those two road losses, and we're putting up points. And so, you know, once the emotions subside, people have got to realize this is not the Chiefs of old. All right, and I know some got the, you know, the the old thoughts they can't get a, get rid of, but the Chiefs of old do not produce this well against playoff quality teams on the road. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds for these guys. When you're saying the Chiefs of old, you're referring to pre Andy Reid, basically. Yeah, pre Andy Reid, and, and even the the big playoff collapse in Indianapolis, um, where we had a significant lead, but there's just there's something different about this offense. Um, it is a score at will setup, which historically we have not had. And I just, I get the sense that Pat Mahomes just, it brings a different esprit de corps to this organization. You know, you can look at his goofy interception last night when he went inside to make the tackle and uh, right there on the goal line and he was, you know, putting forth that effort. And so, you know, I look for stuff like that, especially as a coach. Um, those are a lot of the intangibles that you want to see in, in athletes, and, and I'm excited. Um, it was a hell of a game. Sucks that we lost. We should have won. But it's not like the, our future is dismal. We're not in Buffalo and some of those other uh, crappy, uh, crappy towns. No, for sure. It, it, it is so hard to take because you scored 51 points on the road uh, against the Rams. You scored 40 on the road, but, I mean, you're playing some, some really good teams out there. And by all means, go, going on the road and playing a great team, never an excuse for a loss in the first place. But it does seem like, I think because the Chiefs are winning so much, and by the way, the Chiefs have the third most wins uh, since 2013, ever since Andy Reid's gotten here. So we're used to winning a lot, uh, maybe not so much in the postseason, but... A lot of wins, uh, way more than before, and I think the expectation is nearly perfection or perfection itself. Uh, and I think some fans tend to, to forget about that. Uh, where where do you just stand with this team? Uh, nine and two, uh, and I know you obviously. And look, I, 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 you and I don't know each other that well personally. I mean, we we exchange a lot of messages on social media and all, uh, but I know you well enough that you'll 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 say it how it is. Uh, and you're one of the people, obviously, you did a big thing with Save Our Chiefs and everything you did trying to send a message to the organization. So I know you'll always give your honest opinion on these kinds of things, but what do you think of this 9-2 and two start with this craziness from Mahomes and 
just pro bowlers all around this offense, it feels like. Yeah, and, and you know, first, first thing first, if anyone expected to be 9-2 and two heading into the bye, they, they, they went and done bumped their head. No one could have forecasted this. No one could have seen what Mahomes is capable of doing. And I still, honest to God, not so, we have seen a full and complete game from one Patrick Mahomes. He's still learning on the fly. I mean, basically, he's a red shirt quarterback in the NFL. And that fact gets lost on a lot of folks. And so, you know, you talk about uh, the MVP stuff, that's great, that's fun. I still think Drew Brees is probably the sentimental favorite uh, with the sports writers, and, and I just hope that they don't view it as a lifetime achievement award, which is what they would be doing essentially if they gave Drew Brees the MVP. If you look at what Mahomes has done, and it's everything every Chiefs fan has ever had a wet dream over to have happen for a quarterback in Kansas City. <clears throat> so we're headed into the bye, 92. We control our destiny. We own, as of today, all the appropriate tiebreakers if we can win out and stay ahead of New England for home field advantage. We've got a firecracker under center. We've got high-powered offense. We're doing all of this with a makeshift offensive line. I mean, don't forget, we're down Mitch and we're down the, the good doctor. We're piecing this thing together, you know. Um, there's a lot to be encouraged about. We're getting Eric Berry back here. Uh, in early December after the bye, he's going to resume practicing, and then we'll probably slow boat him in or put him on a pitch count, if you will, and get him ready for the playoffs. And honestly, the fact that we're 9-2 and two and we didn't have to rush Eric Berry back, that's a hidden blessing that a lot of people simply don't realize. I'm with you 100%. I, I, if you told me uh, Eric Berry was not going to be available at this point in the season, all the way through, I would have said, first off, I had the team starting off two and two, and I thought Mahomes was going to really struggle a lot the first four games. <laughs> Obviously, the complete opposite happened. Um, no, yeah, I mean, nine and two, and you mentioned earlier, and this has been brought up quite a lot by a lot of fans, two losses, six points. Uh, I mean, you, you look at all the other two lost teams in the NFL, how much have they, I mean, New England has been blown, they were blown up by Tennessee, and they're a team that's, on the bubble of trying to make the playoffs right now. So, yeah, it it is kind of a good position to be in. You mentioned Eric Berry, though, and I, and I did want to get into that with you. I, I know you've done some stuff in the media, and you've been a Chiefs fan for a long time. You, you've seen the game uh, for a very long time. What is your take on how this whole Eric Berry day-to-day, I mean, all that, all that nonsense, what is your takeaway with all that? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's an interesting situation. One, I think the Chiefs have legally complied with the spirit of the rule although it's annoyed fans, they are in full legal compliance with injury reporting. And for Barry, it's really an issue of pain tolerance. Not that he can't go out. I mean, he legitimately could go out and play right now, but the Chiefs have no need to rush him back. And that's something that, as fans, we struggle because there's a sentimental connection with Barry that we want to see and see him on the field and see him perform because he's a warrior and he's been a great part of this franchise. But all that said, we need him healthy. And I think what the team did because of the uh, injured reserve, we only allowed to bring the team back. I think Daniel Sorensen's injury kind of spooked the organization a little bit in the sense that they didn't know if there might be another significant injury 
So when they put Sorensen on that list to bring him back, that really only left one other person. And as hindsight's been 2020, we saw Laurent go down with an injury, but now we have a chance to bring him back right in time for the playoffs. And we never had to do that with Barry. So if you look at it between Sorensen, Barry, and DeVarnay Tardif, right, we're actually able to get all three of them back. And at that expense, Barry's been, you know, a non-active player. And essentially the Chiefs have been competing with a 52-man roster for the entire, uh, or for the first 11 weeks of the year. So it was a bold move. I think it's worked in our favor. Um, And I will see Barry back, get Sorensen back in better shape, and uh, hopefully get the good doctor back onto that line here sooner rather than later. That's an interesting thought. I mean, we've all obviously noticed it, but I don't think anyone's ever brought it to my attention, at least. 52-man roster, that, that's a, actually a very interesting point. Uh, I, I like how you how you uh, put that out there. I, I do want to ask you, uh, this past Sunday was the six-year anniversary of Blackout Arrowhead, and uh, earlier this year, during the offseason, I brought you on, and we had this big tell-all with you, kind of going uh, behind the scenes and just giving the details about what you did with Save Our Chiefs. Uh, for those who don't know the story, long story short, Marty was the guy responsible for a lot of the banners uh, that were... Uh, flying above the stadium and uh, basically calling for Pioli's job, wanting change. And I, I truly feel like you had a big hand in that. Uh, one of the things you did is you had a blackout arrowhead uh, for, well, I think it was the Bengals game. And basically it was fans dressing up as or wearing a black shirt. You guys even made uh, shirts and sweatshirts for that. Do you still have any of those, by the way? Yeah, you know, I, I, I still have. Uh, the hoodie in the closet um, <laughs> to keep safe. It's also going to stay in the closet. Um, but it, it's funny because I did not realize that it was the anniversary until I saw a tweet from you on Sunday. And I was at my daughter's softball tournament and decided to pop over to my Facebook memory feed. And just to see all the, the, the photos, ironically, it was my son's first ever game in Arrowhead. And so, of course, I let him wear red and you sport his Jamal Charles jersey. Um, and ironically, and this is kind of a, a different story that we don't need to get into in the podcast, but it's the first time I've actually had a photo with both of my sisters um, together. So that day was a supercharged <laughs> day of emotion for a lot of reasons. Um, but looking back on it, you know, it was a fun thing to do. I had a great team with Eric and Clay and Phil. Travis helping out and a bunch of others with, with strong support. Um, we pissed people off in the process, but that's okay. Sometimes you got to crack a few eggs to make the omelet, so to speak. And, you know, if you look at where we are today, if the fans had not spoken up and, you know, took action, I don't think Andy Reid is here. I don't think Clark Hunt would have gone the direction that he did. Um, I've been told by several in the organization that, the whole entire movement was re, uh, in the subsequent hiring was Hunt trying to get the franchise back. The Hunt family hates negative PR, and the blackout game really struck a chord with them, uh, so much as to the fact that the CBS broadcast crew talked about the blackout and drew attention to it. And the NFL is real particular about that, that kind of thing, right? And so they don't like to draw – a lot of attention to fan movements and other things like that. 
Um, and so once I was made aware that the CBS crew, uh, Rich Gannon, um, and I think Ian Eagle might have been the, the other bozo on the broadcast, once they started talking about it, I knew we had won. Um, and it was a victory. And from there on, we started to see change. And just a few months later, Andy Reid's hired. And then a full year later, we're in the playoffs blowing out Indianapolis before we had that colossal second half collapse. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to ask you something. And this is something I did not ask you. Uh, I did not know this. Uh, I thought you personally – and a, a couple of other guys, you guys were flying some of the banners, but you you mentioned that you hired um, you 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 hired a pilot to do all that. Uh, but my question to you is, were you physically in Kansas City uh, for all those home games? Maybe not at Arrowhead, but just in the area, or were you from your home out in the West Coast as some of the banners were going around? Yeah, the whole thing started. You know, I'm based in Arizona. A lot of people don't realize that. Um, it started out here in Arizona. Um, it dovetailed into Wichita with Eric um, when he was living there. And from there, the movement just took off. And um, we, I'll never forget this funniest story about the whole thing. When we found the pilot, he actually gave us a discount on flying. And he said that we were doing God's work. And yeah, I remember that. <laughs> he gave us a substantial discount on the, you know, the cost because I mean, planes take fuel and fuel ain't cheap. Um, but you know, we were able to take all the money that we raised, and we were able to make a, a pretty sizable donation to the Kansas City Area Boys and Girls Club uh, when the whole event was uh, over and done with. Do you and a lot of other, not just Chiefs? By the way, there were other Chiefs fans, not. If I'm not mistaken, they had absolutely no association with you or Save Our Chiefs. They were also flying banners above the stadium, basically copying you. But we've we've also seen this with other sports teams where fans saw what you did and they thought, "Hey, maybe this could if we could get a movement going and if we could get it to catch on and get a big following, maybe we can do the same thing." You, you've seen other fans out there put put start flying banners, basically. Uh, above stadiums, uh, you know, doing so right at the right time before. I mean, there's, uh, I think, a one-hour uh, stretch where you have to have everything go away. But uh, do you ever wonder uh, when other fans are flying their banners, they might, the owners might be thinking to themselves, oh, yeah, there was a Chiefs fan who uh, started this movement. It's that jerk right there. We we blame him for all that. No, I don't, I don't think that's taking place. I mean, the NFL is, is full of amnesia. And I'm sure most of the organizations out there have, have long forgotten already what we do. But it is interesting that, you know, since we started that and since we stopped it, you know, we've had people from 10 different teams reach out to us asking us what we did, how do we do it, how can we help them. And it was almost like a, we could have started a cottage consulting business on fantasy. <laughs> we even had one MLB team reach out to us wanting to do the same thing. And so, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's funny. Um, we look back and some of the stuff and we did some dumb stuff, but you had to just to shake the tree, but it worked. And here we are. And now today you've got Pat Mahomes and you know, that that's the, uh, the Phoenix bird rising out of the ashes of that transition. 
I see on your uh, social media you go to Vegas a lot, um, and I'll be there for New Year's. Uh, have you ever been to the uh, sports bar in Vegas called uh, – gosh, I can't remember. I just forgot it. I think it's Blue Diamond Saloon? No. Um, I'm up there for work a lot of times, conferences, meetings. Um, and typically, I've got my few places I like to visit and get in and out of Vegas. I really like to be in and out of that town within 48 hours if possible. Um in that span, I've got you know some of my uh, favorite places to uh, to eat at for sure. Okay, the reason I bring that up is because uh, a friend of mine from high school, uh, she uh, lives actually in San Francisco, but she was in uh, Vegas and she said, "Hey, I know you go to Vegas a lot, and you go to sports bars." And I mentioned she she wanted to see, catch a Chiefs game, and I thought, well, I do know there was a Chiefs themed bar there called uh, Blue Diamond Saloon. A couple of people have sent me Facebook posts about this. In fact, I think somebody emailed me last year. When I mentioned when I was asking if there were any good sports bars, uh, it's a couple of minutes south of the strip, maybe a little longer. Don't quote me on that. But um, uh, my friend uh, did go out there, and she thanked me for the suggestion, and, and she said it was an awesome time. So I wasn't sure if you were ever uh, aware of that or if you've ever been out there for a Chiefs game. So I thought I'd bring that up. I do want to ask before I let you go. I know you posted something about really good pizza in Vegas. Where is that place? Yeah, so – the best place for pizza in Vegas is called Secret Pizza, and it's inside of the Cosmo. I want to say it's on the second or third level. Um, I think it's the third level. So you got to go up the big escalator by the chandelier bar and then get on another escalator head up there. And there's no sign. It's in a hallway. It's kind of next to a uh, Chinese-Mexican joint they have there. Um, but you go down that hallway, and the pizza is absolutely amazing and it is a must stop whether three in the morning three in the afternoon or high noon uh but secret pizza at the cosmopolitan in las vegas uh is the place to go i i just wrote it down i'll be there for new year's weekend uh uh, we're actually going to watch the chiefs game and the raiders game from uh a really popular sports bar called the gossi stadium so uh, we're definitely looking forward to that, but I'll definitely make a, a trip to uh, Secret Pizza. Uh, so definitely uh, on my uh, agenda uh, when I go for New Year's. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Marty, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, anything you want to put out there? Uh, you want to plug your social media or, or let us know about anything that uh, you want to say before we let you all, let you loose? Yeah, you know, uh, just make sure you stop by um, our Twitter page. Oh, excuse me there. It's at... Uh, the number one underscore Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, come join us there. And then we're also on uh, Facebook um, as the Chiefs Kingdom on Facebook. And, you know, make sure you come out there. Um, we like to uh, to battle fans of all teams and currently uh, embroiled in a little battle with a uh, with New England Patriots fan who thinks Pat Mahomes is the next RG3. So you can come by and, and see the commentary that's taking place uh, on our Twitter page with that. Um, and then I would tell you um, on game days, we post machine gun style. Uh, so there's a lot of, lot of tweets going on. Uh, it's myself and a couple other people help out on, uh, on Twitter on Sundays. So, we're pretty aggressive, so that's where we like to hang out mostly on social media nowadays. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Go check him out on 
social media. Hey, Marty, always great to talk to you. Uh, yeah, I love all the stories from the Save Our Chiefs uh, times that I'm sure uh, we'll connect again and uh, you'll bring up another story. Uh, always interesting just hearing uh, some of the things that went behind the scenes with all of that. Big happy Thanksgiving to you, and uh, we will keep in touch. All righty. Hey, thanks for having me on tonight. I appreciate it. Um, I do want to say uh, and plug one thing for my nephew there in Kansas. Sure. sure. Um, he has every year, uh, his name is Caleb Wolf, and he does a uh, a really fun event for the community called Stuff the Bus, and it's for Children's Mercy. Um, basically what he's been doing, he's had a lot of surgeries in his life, gone through a lot of medical challenge. He's come out on the other end with flying colors and he's spent a lot of time in the hospital as a kid. I mean, going through the holidays. And so he remember how that felt. And so he, um, and another, um, super awesome partner of his created Henson's Heroes. And every year they have an annual toy drive. And so, uh, this year, it's the 7th Annual Stuff the Bus for Children's Mercy Snowflake Shop, uh, and it's going to be in honor of the uh, two Henson nurses and staff, so that's the floor there at the Children's Mercy Hospital. It's going to be December 15th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Target parking lot in Liberty, Missouri. And so uh, Eric Stone Street has been involved in this uh, program, making uh, oh, wow. sizable donations. A lot of the community throughout Metro KC uh, has been up there, uh, and so it's just a great event, and it brings a lot of joy to sick kids who have to spend the, ho- the holidays in the hospital and, and, and gives them hope and inspiration, and that's something that I think everyone needs. So uh, if you can, for all the listeners out there, if you can get up to Liberty, Missouri, that Target parking lot on December 15th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and uh, participate in that Stuff the Bus, that sure would be awesome and make a lot of kids happy this holiday season. All right, there you go. Uh, if you're in the area or if you want to get out there, uh, there you go. Good good cause. I appreciate you uh, putting that out there. I'm always happy to promote things like that, uh, good causes like that. So I uh, definitely appreciate you bringing that up. All righty. Hey, we'll talk soon. Thanks again for having me on tonight. All right, appreciate it, Marty. Take care. All right, thanks. Off he goes. That was Marty McDonald joining us here on the Chief Zone Podcast. Always good to hear from him. Uh, especially all the stories that he uh, shared with uh, Save Our Chiefs, and uh, now he has the Chiefs Kingdom Facebook page, so check that out uh, on social media. Uh, joining us right now on the guest line, continuing this uh, guest train right now, is Morgan Ganim. Uh You hear him on this podcast every single episode. As a matter of fact, you hear him before you hear me, because he's the guy performing the theme song for... This podcast, that is Chop It Up. You guys can catch it on iTunes. It is performed by the band Sounds, which is what Morgan was a part of, and now he's doing his own thing. Uh, For those who have listened to the podcast long enough, you guys have heard me talk to him about all of that, and he's back on here to talk a little bit more about some of that stuff, as well as some uh, Chiefs talk as well, once again, uh, as we just did with Marty. So Morgan is now on the podcast. Morgan, welcome back. How have you been, man? Hey, been doing great, Parzine. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always fun. You know, we kind of make a little tradition out of this, it seems like, every few months, you know, jump on the <laughs> podcast. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, you, you're, you are the voice of this podcast because you are the first voice every single person hears before mine. I mean, as soon as, soon as people hit the play button, it's, 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 your, it's your sound right there. 
that's pretty cool. You know, it's a, it's a big honor that you continue to use the song. You know, I, I really, uh, I really thank you for that. It's cool, man. No, absolutely. And, and I will say there are like other Chiefs jingles out there that, I mean, yours was really like the first notable one that came out and a few others have created their thing and, and, and they've created some good ones too. Don't get me wrong, but I really enjoyed yours. It's the, it's the original. I know the Chiefs used it quite a lot and I think they still do occasionally. Uh, so I really enjoy it. No, no, it's awesome. It's awesome that you were able to, to get that. Do you know if they still use it? You know, uh, I haven't actually been to the game in a little while. I've been busy with touring and stuff like that, but I think they do as far as what I've heard people telling me every once in a while. I'll have somebody hit me up saying, hey, we just heard your song in the stadium. So I think they still do use it. Uh, they were using it really heavily, you know, back when it first came out. And I think, what was that, like 2012 or something like that? It doesn't seem like it's been that long, but uh, we've been kind of carrying the tradition on and a lot of things have changed since then, including the team. It's looking up right now, just in general. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, you mentioned the team. I want to uh, get your thoughts on some of the things in a moment. And I also want to touch on the live music, which you uh, referred to. Uh, but real quickly, and I was uh, too lazy to even get to this uh, beforehand, but let everyone know, how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, if you guys want to check out my music and uh, some of what I'm about, and you can go to morgangannam.com. So that's Morgan and then Ganem, G-A-N-E-M dot com. And you can find everything there, all my music. Um, I'll be putting some new merchandise up there for this wintertime and stuff. All my music videos and everything up there too. And uh, of course, um, you can find all the links to my social medias there. But uh, if you're on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Morgan Ganem official. Uh, and then I'm also on Twitter. It's just twitter.com slash Morgan Ganem. And for those of you guys that are all about the photos and stuff, which I definitely am, I'm always on Instagram. That's kind of my new favorite one. So it's Instagram.com slash Morgan Ganem. That's G-A-N-E-M. So give me a follow, and I always follow back. I like to start conversation with new friends. Check him out on social media. There you have it. Uh, Morgan, I'm, I'm kind of curious. What, what have you been up to, kind of? Because I, I, I see you on social media. And unfortunately, I, I've never been able to catch one of your shows in person. And funny story, I don't know if people, I don't think I've ever shared this. And I don't know if you remember. You and I, we were actually supposed to meet up once. I was going to check out you and your band at the time, Sounds, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, I think this was just a couple of days before my birthday. Uh, in 2012, I got really sick. I don't remember what I had, but I was, I, I was dead, man. Uh, I remember that much. I vaguely do remember that. Was that the uh, festival we were going to do? Yes. Yeah. I remember you and Josh Looney did something. Josh Looney, who did some stuff with the Chiefs website. Really, really nice guy. Yeah. They definitely supported the song and got behind, uh, the band and stuff. It was really neat. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been. We haven't been able to connect like that before. But hopefully, we get to sometime. I'm kind of curious. What? Yeah, for sure, for sure. But but tell me a little bit about what what have you got going on? Because I see all the things you've got on social media, but I'm not exactly sure what you're doing out there. I I mean, you're doing a lot in the Oklahoma area. Yeah, yeah, I've been doing a lot of shows uh, in the Oklahoma area. I also travel a lot too. um, You know, doing a lot of different things, music related, and uh, so I. uh, I've been performing summer times. I have a residency uh, or I've had a residency over at Safari Joe's H2O. Uh, they built a big stage for me out there and everything. So I was doing some performances out there like on the weekends and for the teen night events and stuff like that. And uh, those got really big and it was really cool. We had over 2000 kids last year uh, coming out to all these different events and stuff. So 
uh, kind of been doing our own thing on that front and then also traveling, uh, doing festivals and uh, private events and things like that, too. So the show kind of con- consists of uh, some of my original music plus covers of other songs and things, too. And uh, it's kind of a mixture of electronic DJing and also live performing, singing and playing instruments and stuff. So it's pretty fun. We have a great time. Now, what's the uh, latest song that you've got out? Yeah, so uh, the latest song I put out is called Spread the Love Around, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's kind of just an anthem of love, and uh, I've been kind of changing up my genres. You know, I don't know. You probably know because you've been following me for a little while, but I don't really stick with one thing for too long. I like to mix them all together and stay kind of fresh. So um, this song is kind of more pop hip-hop with some electronic vibes. Um, and that's kind of the direction I've been going. So yeah, it's called spread the love around and, uh, you can definitely check it out on Spotify and iTunes, Amazon music, and uh, a lot more. Do they just type your name in uh, on all those, uh, media outlets you, you just mentioned, do they just type your name in Morgan Ginnam and, and all that stuff can come up? Yeah, absolutely. If, uh, just type my name in and it'll all pop up right there just for you. All right, well, there we have it. If you want to check out some of Morgan's music, that's one way. But you also DJ as well. I don't know. Um, uh, well, first of all, uh, share with us in a moment uh, which radio station and uh, what areas are you in? Because I don't know exactly what the frequency is and how far it, it reaches out. But we have a lot of listeners and a lot of Chiefs fans in the Oklahoma area who can listen to you that way as well, too. Yeah, so uh, sometimes uh, I jump on 106.9 K-Hits. Here in Tulsa, it's a uh, top 40 pop radio station, and uh, got some really good friends there that uh, we have some fun times. And uh, yeah, I mean, it reaches out. I, I think at least uh, probably a two or three state region. It's a lot of people. It's like 160,000 listeners a week. So it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good size station. Um, but yeah, 106.9 K hits. Uh, Tulsa's number one hit music station. Yeah, check it out. I know uh, you and I talked about this before we started recording the interview uh, about how, you know, you get pretty busy on the weekends and, and, and that's when people want to go out, do their thing, go check out some live music. I mean, there are concerts on weekdays and I'm sure you do some things on weekdays, but it's mostly the weekends where you're able to attract a, a, a bigger audience because that's when people go out the most. And I don't know if you have a lot of familiarity with uh, Marty McDonald. Uh, we just had him on the podcast. He was the guy who flew the banners. Uh, a few years ago, basically calling for change and, and, and improvement with Kansas City. But I was talking to him, and I was asking him if he had a chance to watch the game Monday night. And he mentioned he was at his son's baseball game, and I know he's got he's a father of two kids. I mean, they're a lot older, so and I think they're both very active with sports. Again, uh, with, with kids' sports activities, that's a weekend deal, so you don't get to see maybe your uh, NFL teams or your college teams a whole lot. Uh, do you get to catch the Chiefs a whole lot as the season goes on? Yeah, usually I get to. It's pretty great because, um, well, sometimes here in Oklahoma they don't uh, broadcast, you know, certain games. A lot of times it's Dallas and things like that. Nothing against Dallas. I used to actually be a Dallas fan. We won't talk about that a whole lot. Oh, God, Morgan. I know. I, know. I, I, I just lost 20 listeners from that. I know. I, 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 uh, I just lost cool points, right? But this is when I was a kid. I was like a really cool kid but i was not smart. you've learned since then yeah i've learned I've, I've learned the ways of real good football and that's kansas city chiefs so anyway back to the topic at hand <laughs> we uh we get most of the games here and a lot of times i get to uh i get to watch them unless they're on the weekends and i'm performing then 
yeah, that that's not going to happen. But usually I get to watch them, so that's pretty great. When you're performing, can't you just pull out your iPhone and get on the ESPN Go app or, or, or watch a live stream on your phone? You know, sometimes uh, if I have a little downtime on stage, I just pull my phone out and check it out, you know. <laughs> not very often, though, i got to be honest. I stay pretty active on stage. It's kind of like I tell people it's like working out or something, you know, jumping around a lot. Certainly understandable. Uh, I want to know your thoughts. I mean, as the guy who has that hit song, it's it's been at the stadium uh, plenty of times. Uh, what do you think, man? Say that one more time. Sorry, you were breaking up just a little. No, I, I was just asking. You know, what what are your thoughts on the season? I, I, obviously, a very rare season. We haven't had a season like this in a very long time, especially with the with the quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Oh yeah, no, um, I'm feeling really pretty solid about this season. I mean, anything can happen. You know, anything can happen. There's a lot of great teams right now. But, uh, you know, I mean, when you get a team that's got the highest scoring game in Monday night football history, I mean, come on, Farzine, that's, that's pretty good, right? I mean, I got high hopes. And I don't know. We just need to, you know, continue to play as a unit. But uh, defense is starting to look better. Offense has been looking pretty good. Now, Patrick kind of, I don't know. I felt a little, uh, a little sad for him at the at the game the other night, you know. But he was he was getting really confident, and he was he was he was throwing some good passes and stuff. But I don't know. He's a great player, and I, I think he ultimately is going to take us to where we need to go. Um, he's just got a lot of learning to do, you know. He's a young guy, so. But I think overall the team is looking pretty solid. How much uh, interaction is there with Chiefs fans? I mean, maybe not with you, like directly with other Chiefs fans, but in, in terms of just the um, just the popularity with the team in the Oklahoma area, are there a lot of people going crazy about the Chiefs right now in that area? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's a fairly good amount of Chiefs fans here. Uh, you'll be walking around uh, town and you'll see people with with Chiefs swag on, including myself. Um, but again, you know, like I really feel there's a, there's a lot of Dallas fans and stuff too. So I, I would prefer that the Chiefs kind of start to take over here, which I think I think we're going to start to having a bigger audience in this area, to be honest. Because uh, I I feel like increasingly there's more Chiefs fans in this area, which is great. What about this? Is obviously off topic. What what about baseball teams? I mean, who, who do people root for in Oklahoma? Gosh, that that's really kind of uh, kind of a broad situation here. I don't really watch a lot of baseball, but I, I feel like I see a lot of Cardinals fans. Um, and who who's in? Uh, it, it's St. Louis Cardinals, right? Yeah, St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a little more of that that kind of vibe of people around here because it's not too far away, you know. I can't think off the top of my head how many Texas teams there are. I mean, Houston Astros. Right, uh, Rangers. God, I'm I'm not a baseball guy. What'd you say? The Texas Rangers. Oh, Texas Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I think those are the only two teams. Uh, Texas has a bunch of teams as well, as well as California. I mean, they're big though, for obvious reasons. So, of course, they have a lot of teams. I'm more of a football guy by nature. That's just me, you know. Now we mentioned chop it up. You also do have, I think, right around that time, you made like an Oklahoma State jingle. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I did. It was called Stand Up Cowboys. And uh, I had a lot of friends, uh, still do have a lot of friends in the Stillwater area. So uh, I teamed up with a friend of mine, uh, and we, we wrote this uh, this kind of jingle, this anthem, you know, and uh, it took off pretty well. There for a while, I was, I was really uh, 
kind of, I guess, starting to be known a little bit for, for the, the Chiefs uh, chop it up and all that. So I thought, why not uh, see if I can do something for, uh, lo- you know, local area college football. Um, so, yeah, it, it turned out pretty cool, and a lot of people were championing it, so it was neat. When you say a lot of people were chanting it, are you are you talking? Did it pick up like the Chiefs? Were they playing it at Oklahoma State games? Do you know? You know, I uh, I think they did a little bit, not nearly like the Chiefs got on board though. The Chiefs were like all on. You know, they came to town and uh, shot a like a music video and an interview and everything, and it actually broadcast on the Chiefs network and stuff. So that was really cool. But uh, I know a lot of the the fans and stuff really got into um, the song that I did for. Oklahoma State. So it was mostly the fans passing it around and enjoying it that way, you know, the tailgate stuff. I think it was right around this time last year I had you on and I asked you, you know, would you, if you and I both agreed, I'd shave my goatee and you would shave your hair. I mean, you've got the long dreads. Uh, for those who've never seen, uh, you know, a picture of Morgan before, go look at him on social media. He's got the dreads going. So I, I wanted to ask you if you would consider, you know, shaving your head, and I, I, and if you would agree to that, I would also shave my goatee if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I was kind of joking because there was there was no realistic shot at the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, sure, they made the playoffs and all that good stuff, but this is a, like, if we bring that topic back now, this is a more realistic conversation we're having here, Morgan. Yeah, now we gotta, like, think about, you know, what kind of hairdo would I have if I shaved my head, you know, like, because... <laughs> I mean, it's looking more realistic. Again, I don't want to get too pumped about this, Tarzine. You know, anything can happen. I got faith in my Chiefs. But, you know, we still got some games to play, and there's so many good teams. But, you know, it is it is definitely looking a lot more positive than it has in a long time. And that's pretty inspiring, you know. What about this? Uh, I'll, I'll toss this idea. Could you recreate chop it up, and do like a Chiefs Super Bowl mix to that if they win a Super Bowl? You know, that that might be a possibility, yeah. I could probably uh, I could probably whip something up for that. Cause All right. If we win the Super Bowl, like that's, that's a huge, huge thing for any team. But for the Chiefs, I just feel like it's going to be extra sweet, you know, because it's been, it's been a long while since we've had our, our, our time in the light. So... Uh, yeah, I think I could probably whip something up for that. Okay, all right, I'll hold you to that. You were just talking though. So, I mean, I've thought about this this week. I mean, despite and I don't know if you uh, follow a lot of the national sports media, but when the Chiefs lost to the Patriots, a lot of people got behind Kansas City more than. And I don't know if it's the popular thing to just keep going against the Patriots, but uh, even this week, a lot of the national media is actually rallying behind Kansas City than they are with the Rams. So, and I don't know, it kind of just makes me wonder, this this could be the year. I don't know, but by the way, are you uh, are you uh, on uh, the NFL Memes Facebook page? I don't think I am. I need to get on there. I'm sure there's some good stuff, huh? I, I mean, I, I'm convinced whoever runs that account is a hardcore Chiefs fan because they're always attacking the Raiders and the and the Chargers, but they'll always say positive things about the Chiefs. And this week, they, they put out a... They put out like a uh, like a meme on there. I think it was Dave Chappelle just kind of like confused and w- asking for something. And the meme said, uh, got any more of those Chiefs-Rams games for the Super Bowl this year? And then there was another meme that said, um, the NFL canceled the season and the Chiefs or Rams are doing a best of seven Super Bowl series. I'm convinced whoever runs that account is a Chiefs fan. That's just my thought. Yeah, I mean, you never know. They might be. I'll have to check that out. You have to send me a link. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's NFL memes. They're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I mean, and if you follow a lot of pop culture, like, um, I mean, if you're following, like, politics or, uh, uh, you know, uh, other movies out there, pop culture, uh, they make a lot of references to that with uh, with NFL teams. And if you get the reference, it, it, it's pretty funny. It's good stuff. So you'll have to check it out. I'll, I'll send you a link afterwards. Yeah, I'd love that. I'm sure they have some good stuff. But yeah, man. I mean, this whole thought of the Super Bowl—it's uh, it, it, crazy. I mean, I'm uh, I'm 27. Uh, I've I mean, essentially, I've only seen one playoff win in my lifetime here. Uh, the the thought of that is just is just pretty crazy right now. Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I think you know the thought of a Chiefs Super Bowl. I would want to get together with as many friends and family members possible. But at the same time, it's like. I don't even want to have a watch party. I just want to watch it alone so I can be focused and glued in on this game. I mean, what about you? Like, where do you stand on that kind of thing? Well, I could definitely see how you being in the profession and uh, a lot of people obviously uh, listening to what you have to say, you'd want to be taking some notes for sure. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, when are you going to be able to do that again? We don't know, you know? So uh, I don't know. For me, I would like to kind of, get the friends together and the family and probably, uh, you know, like I, I have a friend of mine who's a green Bay Packers fan, but he still comes over to watch the games. You know, uh, he still comes over to watch chiefs games. Cause he, he likes the chiefs too. You know, he, he doesn't have anything, uh, against them. So we kind of support each other in that way, but I'd be inviting everybody over, man. That like, that's a huge occasion. I might just throw a big gala and have like people over and dressed up in a red carpet for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I mean it's it, it's a pretty exciting time. Uh, and we were just talking to Marty and just the thought of everyone around that. Hopefully, Eric Berry returns returns as soon as possible because that would only. I mean, God knows that'll only help the defense, but um, it really is exciting. I mean, this is you. You've been a Chiefs fan longer than I have. I, I'm curious. Can you remember a, a time where you've really had this much fun watching the the, the Chiefs on the field? Well. I mean, back when uh, I was just a kid, you know, uh, we used to go to the games and we'd go with my family and like my uncle uh, and stuff. And we, we, we would actually go to the games quite a bit when I was younger. And I got to say, that was a lot of fun. You know, there's nothing like the electricity of the inside of that stadium when the, when the ball gets kicked off. You know what I mean? Like you've been. Yeah. There's been some pretty electrifying moments for me. Uh, when it comes to the Chiefs, but right now, as far as like looking at reality and how the team really looks, like I don't know, they look they look like a Super Bowl team to me. I mean, and I'm no professional here. You you take care of that stuff. I'm the music guy. I'm just <laughs> the fan, you know, of the Chiefs. But man, they they just look pretty solid. You know, if they can just keep Patrick Mahomes where he needs to be and keep looking out for him keep our you know our defense in the right place and 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 offense is just doing a really good job I feel like right now and that's although the last game defense kind of almost won the game for us to be honest um I made a little comment about Bob Sutton you know on your Facebook page about how I thought he might need to be looked at you know but I gotta be honest you know I think he's coming around it looked like a totally different team defensively uh, this last game, I felt like, in, in a good way, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Uh, I mean, just, just any average defense, you you go to a – I mean, you would have to think they go to a Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw um, 
I, I don't know how you say his last name, but Matt, I want to say it's Verderami of Fansided. He put out a crazy tweet. Uh, like all these Chiefs players, uh, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, uh, 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 Kareem Hunt, I forgot the, the running back's name for a second. Uh, they're all uh, on pace to have just ridiculous numbers uh, to finish out the season. It, it's going to be... It's going to be a pretty high stat total for all these players. This offense, it's a, it is a huge wasted op. And look, I don't want to get into this, but you never know if Mahomes suffers a brutal injury next year, or if Kelsey or Tyreek suffer a brutal injury. I mean, Tyreek's a big part of this offense, and that's why it's so dynamic. But you just cannot waste this opportunity. And I think this defense could. I mean, the defense is the team's enemy right now if they don't improve. That's that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I almost brought up injuries earlier because you know when you got your star players like Mahomes like Kelsey you know like Tyreek like you can't lose those guys you know when when you're kind of uh using them to lean on a lot of times so everybody's got to be real careful but this could be you know the season if everyone stays healthy and stays on track he's Morgan Ganim musician slash celebrity Chiefs fan uh, real quickly, uh, just to verify, so you're you're not going to agree to the shaving the head if the Super Bowl happens, but you'll there's a possibility of a chop it up remix Super Bowl edition. Is that correct? Yes, there could be a chop it up reboot if we win the Super Bowl. It's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Real quickly, before I let you go, uh, plug your website and your social media one more time for everyone out there that wants to uh, catch your music and catch your work. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys want to check out my music and uh, see what I'm all about and check out my hair because I have some pretty rad dreadlocks, go to morgangannum.com. That's M-O-R-G-A-N-G-A-N-E-M G-A-N-E-M.com. And also, if you're on Facebook, go to facebook.com, morgangannumofficial. And uh, for my Twitter people out there, it's just twitter.com slash Morgan Gannam. And then, of course, Instagram for all your photos and to check out uh, some of the imagery I've got up there. Let's go to instagram.com slash Morgan Gannam. That's G-A-N-E-M. All right, perfect. Morgan Gannam here with us on the Chief Zone podcast. And, of course, he performs the theme song for this podcast. It's called Chop It Up. Just search it on iTunes. You can get it on there. Uh, that is where you can buy uh, the uh, pot, the uh, the theme song for the Chief Zone podcast. Hey, Morgan, always great talking to you. Uh, we will keep in touch, and we will definitely hold you uh, to that uh, deal about the uh, remix. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, I appreciate you coming on and uh, – uh, you've done such great work with your music. I still remember, you know, you were part of a small band and you've really come a long way. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing you sign autographs for kids. I mean, that, that's how far you've come. You're, you're doing that kind of thing now. But uh, congratulations on all of your work and uh, best of luck to you as you continue on. Thank you. And same to you. You know, keep up the great work. I uh, always like to listen to your podcast and I'll be reposting this on my social medias, guys. So um, if you need to find the link, you can find it there as well. And I just want to say thanks to all the Chiefs fans for continuing to support uh, Farzine and myself and, and what we do. And uh, go Chiefs. All right. I like that. Good call right there. Hey, Morgan, thanks again. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you, brother. Good stuff from Morgan Ganim. 
Uh, and I want to go back to something. He mentioned that he kind of liked the Cowboys when he was a kid, which I, I still kind of question. But a funny story about that. I, I posted a picture of a very close family friend of ours. Um, he, he interacts with me a lot on the Facebook page. He comments a lot on there. And I shared a picture of him visiting his grandson uh, every Friday on, on Red Friday. This was a, a, a newborn, this is a newborn uh, kid, a grandson he has. Uh, was born just right before the season, I want to say. And he has a Red Friday tradition where he goes to visit his grandson and decks him out in all red and he puts on his Mahomes jersey and they take pictures together and he puts it on social media. Uh, funny story about that. Uh, his uh, son-in-law, the father of that of that kid who he dresses up in red, he's actually a Raiders fan. And I don't know um, his uh, stepdaughter where she falls on the football spectrum, but... Uh, that, that, that is kind of a funny, uh, angle right there, uh, regarding, uh, sports fandom there. But, uh, yeah, uh, you, you've got the, uh, uh, father who's a Raiders fan and a grand, a grandfather who's trying to convert him to a Chiefs fan, or at least trying to give him the uh, early ways. I think there's another, uh, listener uh, who comments a lot on the page. She is a big Chiefs fan and her husband is a huge Broncos fan. They, they had a, a baby a year or so ago. And I, I, I've seen her post pictures on our page a few times about how she's dressed him up in, and I, well, when I say she, she and her husband have dressed him up in uh, different team outfits. And I, I always kind of wonder, you know, where does the baby go on that? I remember uh, uh, some, a classmate of mine in school, he said he, uh, he, he, he likes KU and MU because his mom went to KU and his dad went to MU. Maybe it's the other way around. I'm like, You've got to pick just one. You you've got to pick a side on this one. You can't have it both ways. You just can't. But kind of funny. Uh, it reminded me of that story when Morgan mentioned that he was a uh, Cowboys fan when he was a kid. But he's a Chiefs fan, so we're we're good on that. But nonetheless, good stuff for Morgan again. Check out his music when you get a chance. It's all out there online on his website on all the. Um, Music pages. Uh, he put all that out there, so look up Morgan Ganim and uh, check out his music. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Second week in a row, we're going to be discussing the Chicago Bears. Uh, last week, I was talking about them and defensively how good they are. And obviously, Mitchell Trubisky's kind of picked it up. Uh, but unfortunately, Trubisky is battling a shoulder injury, and therefore he will not be playing on Thanksgiving Day. However, one familiar quarterback, again, keep in mind Matt Nagy, former offensive coordinator, the head coach there, and a, for, a former and a familiar quarterback of the Chiefs, Chase Daniel, will be starting on Thanksgiving Day for the Bears. And look, I, I know we got a lot of Missouri fans, so uh, former Missouri Tiger, former Kansas City Chief, and of course, Following Matt Nagy to Chicago, uh, we'll get a chance to start. We've seen Chase Daniel. Uh, he's been behind guys like Drew Brees, Alex Smith. Uh, he's learned from a lot of great quarterbacks during his time in the NFL as a backup. And when he stepped in for the Chiefs, he's done some good things for Kansas City. So let's see how he does now. Elsewhere on an offense that started to pick it up for Chicago, maybe Chase Daniel has the opportunity to really prove that he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, and he's done some good things here and there, but I think this guy really hasn't gotten a chance to prove that he can start. This is uh, his opportunity here. Who knows how long Trubisky will, will be out for, but if you can help this Bears offense keep the ball rolling, I think there's a good chance that maybe one of these NFL teams that's 
desperate for a quarterback, maybe they'll reach out to you and give you a chance to start for their team. I think Chase Daniel certainly deserves that opportunity, and I think he could be a starting 32 in the NFL for sure. Speaking of quarterbacks and getting a start, Lamar Jackson got his first start with the Chicago Bears, or excuse me, the Baltimore Ravens. What am I saying? Uh, this past week, and a big win for the Ravens over the Bengals, by the way, who are just completely struggling. And now we, the, the playoff race from a wildcard standpoint gets kind of interesting. By the way, thank goodness the Chiefs are atop their conference right now because you do not want to be in this wildcard race. It is going to be a crazy, crazy race for the AFC. But Jackson uh, did a pretty good job in his first game. 13 of 19 passes, one pick, no touchdowns. Uh, but still did some things to help the Ravens move the football. 150 yards through the air and also uh, ran the ball uh, himself 26 times for 119 yards. Did fumble the ball once, but managed to get it back. This is going to be very interesting to see how this Ravens team rallies around him. The Ravens have an incredible defense. Second best scoring defense in, in terms of points allowed. Uh, and I think it will be Kansas City's biggest challenge. But that's for another time this Ravens team is going to do a lot with Lamar Jackson I think the future is bright with this kid he's going to do some good things out there and the Ravens are going to be in very good hands moving forward with Lamar Jackson I think unfortunately one guy not in good hands Alex Smith Uh, boy uh, brutal brutal injury I'm sure everyone has either heard about it or seen it if you haven't seen it uh, just a warning it is a very gruesome injury uh, suffered a brutal knee, uh, leg injury, uh, broke his tibia and fibia, obviously out for the year. Uh, very unfortunate. Now, obviously, former Chief, I know he took a lot of criticism for how he played in Kansas City, but always a good guy, stand-up guy. No one ever had anything bad to say about the guy. Uh, but as far as how it impacts the Redskins, this is a team that had control of the NFC East. And, hey, knock-knock. The Dallas Cowboys, they've been quietly climbing up the ladder, and now they're one game behind the Washington Redskins. So this Alex Smith injury, I mean, it really just throws a complete wrinkle in the Redskins side of things and just completely opens up the door for for the NFC East. Uh, hey, look, the Eagles, you never know with them right now. Uh, considering the Smith injury, uh, I mean, anyone could catch up at this point. That NFC East just turned into a wide-open division, and it just happens in one play. By the way, I saw crazy comparisons about how, uh, and I don't know how much of this is true. Uh, I, I believe it's been confirmed, but the Alex Smith and the Joe Theismann injury, they happen on the same yard line uh, against the same team, I believe, as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I think it was the same final score. Uh, only difference was it happened at different stadiums for the Redskins, uh, but man, that is just brutal. Uh, just just talk about bad luck uh, for Redskins history right there. Uh, so best of luck to Alex Smith. Hopefully he recovers. And uh, you don't know exactly if he'll be ready right away next year. But hopefully he'll get a chance to play at some point in 2019. Let's keep this train moving and let's go out of bounds. All right, for those who are MMA fans, big MMA fans like myself, you guys know Chuck Liddell, the legend, is returning. And he's going to be fighting an old rival, Tito Ortiz, who he has defeated twice 
in uh, in the UFC. These two are not fighting in the UFC though. They're going to be fighting for Golden Boy Promotions this Saturday. And uh, this is interesting because Tito Ortiz, he's been a little active and he retired about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. So it's not like he's been gone from the sport for a long time. But man, you look at Chuck Bill, he's been gone for years from the sport. It's been a very long time, I think 2008 or 2009, uh, maybe to 2010 since he last uh, had a fight. And look, I like Chuck, Chuck Liddell. He's my favorite fighter of all time, but... And I'm going to be watching this because of the fact he's my favorite of all time. But uh, this is kind of making me wonder because of how the sport of MMA has changed to where big name money fights are now drawing all this attention. And now Chuck Liddell wants a piece at this. Is that what this could be about? I don't know. He says that Tito Ortiz is a warm-up fight and he's going to gradually make his way back to the UFC. I just don't know if I really want to see that with Chuck Liddell. I mean... You look at the guy and, and, and just everything he's, he's going through right now. Yeah, sure, he's fighting Tito Ortiz, a guy who he has defeated twice in the UFC. But are you going to be able to do it a third time considering his age right now? He's 48 years old. And again, his last fight, oh man, it's been forever. But uh, it was in 2010, June of 2010. And by the way, Chuck Liddell lost five of his last six fights. Uh, got knocked out in his last three fights. So I don't know if, if this is a good idea, but hey. If he's in great shape and if he's been, if he got a license to fight, then hey, who am I to say anything? And by the way, speaking of MMA, uh, there was one story out there on ESPN that I, I think is worth uh, noting that Rachel Ostevich, she's is she's a UFC fighter, a female fighter for the UFC. Uh, her uh, husband was arrested on suspicion of second degree attempted murder. And uh, something that's been mentioned uh, on uh, the NFL side of things, and this has actually been mentioned by CNN, NBC, Fox News, uh, regarding Adrian Peterson. And it was just reported that he still uses a belt to discipline his kids. And I think this kind of, and this is obviously not my field of expertise. Obviously, you know, I think we can agree that some of these uh, kinds of things, such as... uh, domestic abuse, violence, just horrific things, and you got to be very careful with these kinds of things, but uh, Henry Gracie, who uh, is, uh, he's a jiu-jitsu instructor, he's from the legendary Gracie family, and uh, he teaches jiu-jitsu in California, he also travels and teaches jiu-jitsu as well, and he coaches Brian Ortega, who um, is about to get a uh, title shot for the UFC. He's got to fight for the featherweight title. By the way, Henry Gracie also trains with Tom Bahali, or he, he trains Tom Bahali, I should say. Uh, Tom Bahali, I remember uh, since his rookie season, he's been training with Henry Gracie. And I don't think Tom is officially retired yet. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Tom Bahali is someone who uh, has a connection with Henry Gracie, training with him. And he's introduced a few Chiefs players, other NFL players, to Henry Gracie. He posted a video last week of a Brazilian woman Putting a man who had a, a, a knife trying to trying to hurt this innocent woman, this woman knew jujitsu and put him in a vicious armbar. My my point in bringing that up is, it's really important in these kinds of instances when you hear about domestic violence like this, very horrific things. But man, uh, you've got to learn self defense in some way. There are some free basic uh, self defense classes out there. Got to do research and figure out where they are. If you want to know some of the top-level self-defense moves, I mean, obviously you got to pay for those kinds of things, but 
I, I believe there are some places out there for very little or maybe even for free. They teach you some of the basic self-defense techniques. I know some schools uh, will go out and they'll teach some students certain self-defense moves. Uh, that way they can uh, be aware. Uh, I know a lot of colleges have uh, jujitsu clubs or, or, or uh, martial arts clubs that students can be a part of. And I think that would be a great way for people to learn some self-defense, a little bit of it. Uh, so that's definitely something to, to keep in mind. I think that's important to spread the word on that when you hear horrific stories uh, like the one Rachel Ostevich is dealing with. Final thing I do want to touch on here real quickly, LeBron James and the Lakers went back to uh, Cleveland. Or the Lakers didn't go back, but LeBron went back to Cleveland for the first time since leaving the Cavaliers. If you remember when he joined the Miami Heat and went back to Cleveland for the first time, he was booed heavily on every single possession where he had the basketball in his hands. And I think he put up 50-some points on the Cavaliers in three quarters, didn't play a single second in the fourth quarter, and he was booed out of the building. There was extra security uh, around the tunnel area where he was to make sure fans were throwing uh, drinks at him or any of that. Uh, this time, though, as a Laker going back to Cleveland, uh, he got a big applause from Cavalier fans. And I think it's good to see it. And I think that's easier to do because he finally brought a title back to Cleveland. I think as sports fans, we, we've got to ask ourselves this question. Do we really take sports maybe a little too seriously? I mean, I get it. There are certain instances that take place that make you want to boo somebody. But uh, for someone just leaving, and I get he's from Akron, Ohio, and, and there's that big crazy story there of playing for your hometown team. But at the same time, if a guy wants to do what's best for himself, his family, uh, who are we really to, to boo these guys and criticize them? Uh, he did what he thought was best for himself. Obviously, won a couple of titles there. And guess what? He went back to Cleveland. And, and the Cavaliers took down that big letter on their website. And so many Cavaliers fans regretted burning his jersey. So, uh, listen, I think sometimes uh, when you see these viral videos of people trying to gain likes and shares of themselves burning a jersey, uh, you've just got to wonder, do people take sports too seriously? I think some people do. And it's good to see Cavalier fans able to let it go and give him a warm welcome back to Cleveland in that game against the Lakers. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. There is a first for everything. I don't think I've ever thrown a flag at this guy before, and I am glad to finally be able to do so, Jerry Jones, uh, he, uh, I guess Capalis uh, put out a tweet saying that Jerry Jones said the Cowboys would have a shot against the Rams or the Chiefs, and Skip Bayless says he isn't wrong. Okay, well, well Skip Bayless is Skip Bayless, but uh, Jerry Jones, just relax. Don't get too caught up in all, all this stuff. Y y your team is the Cowboys, Okay. The Cowboys are 5-5. Five and five. I know what I said earlier. The NFC East is wide open. So maybe the Cowboys still get into the playoffs. But mark my words. Uh, I, I'd be willing to, to, to make a promise here that if the Cowboys do make the playoffs, they're going to be a one-and-done team. So don't even talk about the Rams or the Chiefs when both of them just scored 50 in the highest scoring game in Monday Night Football history. I didn't mention this, by the way. Mahomes' six touchdowns, the most by a quarterback on Monday Night Football. So... To, 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 to say that after both teams scored 50, yeah, just relax. Your team is 5-5. Five and five. Know your place. Or as Dwayne The Rock Johnson would say, 
No, you're rolling, shut your mouth. Okay, I don't know where exactly I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the flag at this direction, but it's got to do with YouTube. Uh, I saw an interesting story over the weekend about YouTube celebrities, if you want to call them that. Uh, some of them have, have millions of subscribers and they put out content for years and at some point their content started to slow down. They, start, they stopped uploading things and a big part of that had to do with the fact that one YouTuber said in an interview with NBC that she just couldn't come up with new content. It got to the point that because... She had fame. She was just vlogging about her life with her, her family, her kids, uh, just walking into a grocery store and people care about that. I, it kind of makes me wonder, like, what's happening to the point where people love to go on YouTube just to see uh, someone popular for their work? First of all, I, I, I always get curious, how do these people get a lot of subscribers? Because I, I remember back then it was only seven or eight people who were considered YouTube famous uh, and all they did is just simply vlog about ridiculous things and do vlog about their daily life. And people just had a big interest in that. Uh, but eventually it does get tiresome for the vlogger and they don't want to show their daily life. Every day. They don't want to point a camera at their own face or their family's face, but people want them to do that. I think we've got to keep in mind, kind of like the LeBron thing we just talked about. People want to do what's best for them and... You know, if someone in my family constantly had a, a camera up in my face and just wanted me to say something for YouTube commenters, I mean, it'd be pretty annoying after a while. So, kind of, kind of makes you wonder. Sure, the YouTube thing is nice because you have millions of subscribers, and for people who don't know, it's about two dollars and fifty cents for every thousand views. And if you have thousands, hundreds of thousands of views, you're making pretty good money from YouTube. You really are. You're easily making six, even seven figures just from making YouTube videos at home. You film yourself, then you edit it on the computer and you upload it. You're making a lot of money, especially if you do that daily. But it gets to the point now, is it worth all that money in doing that daily? You know, look, there are worse jobs out there. Uh, I've always said, hey, never complain about the job you have because there are worse things you could be doing. Uh, And if you're not very happy about your job, well, then do something about it. Uh, nonetheless, though, I mean, to, to if your job seven days a week was to film yourself and edit and upload, okay, that's actually a pretty fun way to earn money, isn't it? I mean, there are worse things you could be doing. Okay, so I didn't get to this last week. This actually happened uh, shortly after I recorded the podcast, but Facebook servers went down last week. Uh, last month, if you guys remember... YouTube servers were down for a couple of hours. And I saw a tweet from Overland Park Police saying, please do not call us about Facebook being down. People are calling 911 because Facebook is down or YouTube is down. I'm starting to wonder, like, what do people call the police up for nowadays? Like, what what complaints are we getting now? Uh, oh, uh, someone's, I mean, no noise complaints. <laughs> People call for that when it's the middle of the day. Kids are just outside playing. I, I've seen that before on on, uh, on the internet. Man, I don't know uh, what happens. By the way, when YouTube was down, uh, there was some article, I think by the Washington Post, that uh, while uh, YouTube was down for a couple of hours, uh, traffic on porn sites went up. 
That's what people are resorting to when YouTube is down. That's where people go uh, when YouTube is unavailable. Uh, I don't know what to say about that, but hey, uh, gotta do yourself. Okay, final one. This one's a bit of a hot take, so to say. Uh, and I know I'll get killed for this because we love our city, of course. We love everything about our city. Uh, I love the country club Plaza, by the way. Beautiful place. Love it. But I'm going to say something right now. The plaza lighting on Thanksgiving night is completely overrated. It is completely overrated. All you're doing, you're standing in the cold. And what are you there for? You're, you're just going to see lights come on. Uh, first of all, I, you're going to deal with the traffic afterwards. So for, for actually, let me go back. Shouldn't you be with your family eating and enjoying a nice Thanksgiving dinner? I mean, look, everyone can do what they want to do. Don't get me wrong. But isn't that more ideal than being in the cold than watching lights come on? Second of all, when they televise this kind of thing, it looks a lot better on TV than it does in person. In person, you only get to see a small portion of it. And... At home, you actually get to see the whole thing. Kind of like sporting events themselves. Yeah, sure, it's fun to be there, but you actually see more when you're watching at home rather than being there. I know it's a bit of a hot take. By the way, it's not a dig at the country club. I love the plaza. Love the plaza. Uh, But I know we can be a little defensive about our city in these kinds of things, but I honestly think the plaza lighting is an overrated event. Go ahead, torture me for this. I, I mean, I got tortured for the uh, referee <laughs> criticism this weekend, so I know this will be a hundred times worse. But uh, plaza lighting overrated. In fact, it's actually better to watch it from home. Uh, the better part about it is after it's on. That's the cool part about it, in my opinion. So you can go see it right after it happens, or in the next few weeks until they shut them off after New Year's. So uh, yeah, I think that's the better time to see the lights at the plaza. Do you guys agree with me or am I crazy? Let me know. Facebook.com slash FarzineVasugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, or email me Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Big thanks to you guys for downloading and listening to the Chief Zone podcast. Once again, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. You guys know the social media. I just put it out there. Give me a like on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Big thanks to Marty McDonald and Morgan Ganim for joining me on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Plus, Matt Derrick will be joining me on Monday's podcast to talk about his first published book about Patrick Mahomes. It is called Showtime. We will talk about that and talk about the Chiefs season. He's, of course, a writer for Chiefs Digest. He'll be coming back on the podcast, so we will talk to him on Monday's episode. Again, have a safe, happy Thanksgiving weekend to all of you. Talk to you guys on Monday.